0: This is an MVP podcast, My Village Productions.
1: Welcome to Unsolved America, a show where we explore unsolved mysteries throughout the United States. I'm your host, Tiffany.
0: And I'm your host, Andy, and each week we will throw a dart at the map, and wherever it lands is the location of our mystery. This week I landed on Idaho.
1: Let's investigate.
0: Let's do that because I'm not the hoe. You're you the Idaho. hoe.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> in April of 1979, 12-year-old Christina White disappeared in her hometown of Asseton, Washington. Now, this is a city that sits right on the border of Washington, Idaho. I know. You're uh, like, Andy, uh, why, why Why? are we in Washington? I
1: know. That's what I'm thinking.
0: Right. But because it was the first of... Possibly many crimes.
1: Okay.
0: All connected. I wanted to start there.
1: All right. All right. I'll, I'll let it
0: slide this time. <laughs> all right. So although it has not been confirmed, investigators believe that uh, in total there are five crimes that were possibly committed by the same individual in the Lewis Clark Valley.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um, this includes the disappearance of Christina White, the murders of Kristen David, Christina Nelson, and Brandy Miller, and the disappearance of Stephen Purcell. That's a lot of people. Yeah. And it all happened within this, like, really within a really close proximity to each other over the span of many years, obviously. Okay. So I want to walk through the circumstances of each crime. So we'll start with Christina.
1: All right.
0: Christina White lived with her mom, Betty, and her stepdad, Mick, in Asseton, Washington. Mm -hmm. The area was a part of a metropolitan region known as the Lewiston Clark, as. Lewiston Clarkston or the Lewis Clark Valley Mm -hmm. Christina was excited to go to the county fair that day so the fair came hmm, on Saturday the 28th that year as it always came I guess at the end of April Mm -hmm. which I guess that's a good time for a county fair I don't know what do you know what the weather's like in Idaho yeah
1: at the end of April
0: yeah cold right it seems like it would be like a little chilly to me but like we're not really getting super sunny days
1: yeah, I mean, it's above Utah, right? So mm-hmm. it definitely is probably still cold until the middle of May.
0: Why would you have, like, anyway, I digress. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it's it moves. keeps
1: the animal's temperature down. I don't oh,
0: know. maybe, instead of doing it, like, in the heat. Yeah. So on the 28th, Christina attended the parade that marked the opening of the fair with her mom and her little sister. After the parade was over, the family went to Christina's friend Rose's house on 2nd Street. Christina had brought her bike with her, and it was a white 10-speed with a basket in the front. She was supposed to go to the fair with Rose to help her with her horse and then ride her bike home. Betty watched her daughter enter Rose's house before she and Christina's sister went home. Rose lived with her mom and her mom's boyfriend at the time. The two girls ended up going to the fair around two thirty p.m. and Christina began to not feel very well. Oh no! She thought it was just uh, it was just like a heat stroke, which she had experienced before. They always call it a heat stroke. I think just like overheated. I think she just got like really hot. I've been there.
1: I mean, I've been there, but at the end of April, just go outside, girl.
0: Well, they were outside.
1: Well, then I don't understand how you're getting heat stroke at (laughs) the end of April
0: in Idaho. Maybe it was warm that day. We don't know. Okay. (laughs) So she thought it was a heat stroke because it was something she had experienced before, and she ended up going back to Rosa's house, and she called her mom. Betty told her she couldn't come pick her up right away, and she encouraged her daughter to put a wet towel on her neck and rest. After she felt better... She she told her to give her a call again so that she could watch her daughter the last two blocks of a seven block walk home. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So, unfortunately, Christina never called back. Oh, no. Betty thought her daughter must have gone back to the fair. And she went down to the fair a little later that afternoon to pick her up. However, Christina was not at the fair as she had thought. At this point, nobody would believe that she ran away. Like they, they were like, that's not. Right. That's not Christina. She wouldn't do that.
1: Mm-hmm. When she was 12, right? Yeah. I mean.
0: Maybe, but.
1: Where are you going to go in Idaho?
0: Truly. That night, Rosa's mom's boyfriend offered to help the police search for Christina. He told the officers he had gotten Christina a wet towel when she came home from the fair not feeling well, but he hadn't seen her since she left the house. Ugh. I don't know if I trust the boyfriend. Anyway. <laughs> Last person to see her. Um, investigators began to look into people who interacted with Christina before she disappeared. The boyfriend who lived with Rose was a person of interest. He lived with Rose and her mom, but he owned his own house.
1: So why are you mooching off the family?
0: Right. The house was vacant at the time, and it was located between Rose's house and Christina's house. Mm.
1: Perfect placement.
0: Right. Right. Law enforcement continued to look into Rose's mom's boyfriend. I like how they didn't see his name. <laughs> I didn't see a name anywhere. It just says Rose's mom's boyfriend.
1: That's okay. Based on not significant.
0: Right. Based on his work records, he wasn't at work the day Christina disappeared. The vacant house he owned had an unfinished basement. Later, concrete was poured on the floor.
1: That's weird. Yeah. Why are you pouring concrete on the floor?
0: Right. Sir. I guess if unless it was like a dirt floor but had had it been disturbed like had the basement like if it was a dirt floor like was it obvious that something was dug
1: well how are we going to know if there is concrete on top
0: true Mm-hmm. Um, acid and sheriffs br- ended up bringing in cadaver dogs and ground penetrating radar in hopes of finding Christina. There was a suspicious area in the basement noted by the radar, but after the dig, nothing was found. Huh. And that is pretty much the gist of Christina's disappearance.
1: So nobody knew nothing.
0: Nobody knew anything. She literally went to the parade that morning, had her bike with her, rode her bike over to Rosa's house. Mom left her. Mm-hmm uh She went to the fair with Rose. After a while, she got a heat stroke. She was overheated. Had to go home. Went yeah. and called her mom. Mom said, mm, "I can't right now." Now she's gone. Um, weird. That is
1: weird. It's
0: just a. It's just a really weird disappearance. Because it's not like she was just left alone. There were adults supervising her. Yeah. Except for, like, when they let Rose and Christina go off to go to the fair. But Aceton, Washington, I imagine, is probably a pretty small town.
1: I think a lot of people come to it when there's a fair, you know?
0: Yes, I would agree. All right. So now we're going to move on to the murder of Kristen David. Okay. Kristen David was a 22-year-old University of Idaho senior, and she disappeared on June 25th,
1: 1981. So how far is that from when...
0: Two years. Okay. The day she disappeared, she called her mom, Sally, and she said that she was going to ride her bike from Moscow to Lewiston the next day. Her plan was to leave around 10 or 11 in the morning, and Kristen assured Sally that she'd uh, be home for work. Okay. At 6 p.m. on June 26th, Kristen's work called her sister. She hadn't shown up. The Mm. family immediately called the police. However, law enforcement was not worried about Kristen.
1: I really hate when people brush it off. Brush it off like, oh, she's only been gone for 10 hours. She's fine.
0: She's fine. Don't worry about her. She's a 22-year-old. She can
1: do what she wants.
0: She's probably out partying. Yeah. Dumb. But her family knew better. Right. So they started uh, searching for her that evening. They walked the roads Kristen would have taken on the 30-plus mile bike ride. The family searched in ditches, empty buildings on the paths, however there was no sign of Kristen or even her bike on june 25th farmer james archibald was on us highway 95 he saw a brown van with oregon plates it was parked on the side of the road a man got out of the van and walked to the back of the vehicle on the ground behind the van was a woman with blonde hair she had a she had a bike with her and the back wheel was still spinning Archibald said it looked like the guy drove up right beside her and drove right into the side of her and pancaked her and kicked her, knocked her over there, and she just absolutely was not moving when I went by. She said the man was smiling as he was walking.
1: That's psychotic.
0: Archibald called the paramedics when he got home. When the paramedics arrived on the scene, there was no van, no man, no bike, and no sign. Nothing? Nothing.
1: What? What?
0: I want to know how far it was. Right. Like, was he like right down the street from his home or was it like a 20 minute car ride? You know what I mean?
1: I mean, in either case, where did it where did that those things go?
0: True. I mean, I guess he just threw everything in his van.
1: Maybe. That's creepy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Law enforcement tried to track down the van. Archibald did give a decent description of the man for a sketch. He was 25 to 35 years old. He was under six feet and around 150 pounds. Even with the sketch and van details, the lead led nowhere. Hmm. On July 4th, the search for Kristen ended. A man was fishing on the Snake River when he saw a trash bag floating in the water. He fished it out and opened it. Inside was a headless human torso and leg, both wrapped in newspaper. He looked for more bags. 75 yards downstream, the same man found another bag with other remains. It was late in the evening when the fisherman called the police. Law enforcement came out the next day because it was already dark when the report came in. Three more bags were located. Each contained the uh, body parts, a dismembered head, arms, and a part of a leg. All were wrapped tightly in newspaper. The bags were are found in a six-mile section of Snake River, a half mile west of Chief Timothy State Park. All right. So now this is the last leg of of this serial killer, if you will. We'll call him a serial killer. I I feel like they wouldn't um, say they they thought there was a possible connection
1: without some evidence.
0: Yeah. So this is the murders of Christina Nelson and Brandy Miller, and the disappearance of Stephen Piersall, and if i remember correctly they all happened within a day of each other if not the same day but they weren't connected they i think they thought that it was connected the, those three were connected
1: yeah th- yeah did they know each other that like mm-hmm. okay okay i'll i'll wait for the story part yeah. but yep I'm they
0: getting. were all connected
1: i'm getting ahead of myself
0: 21 <laughs> year old christina nelson and her stepsister 18-year-old Brandy Miller were both attending Lewis Clark State College. Mm -hmm. Christina had worked at the Lewiston Civic Theater, and Brandy participated in many of the functions there. So she was like an actress or she would help out backstage, Mm -hmm. things of that nature.
1: Okay.
0: On September 12th, 1982. So this is a year later, after a year after Kristen David. So on September 12th, 1982, Brandy and Christina were planning on going to the grocery store and to do laundry. Christina talked to her boyfriend around 8.30 p.m. The two then left him a note before they headed out. The young woman never returned home that night. The next day, Christina's boyfriend reported both of them missing to Lewiston Law Enforcement. Within just a few hours of the missing person reports of Christina and Brandy, another missing person report was filed. Oh, man. This time for 35-year-old Stephen Pearsall. He was the janitor at the Lewiston Civic Theater.
1: Oh, Weird.
0: Stephen was friends with Christina and Brandy. He was like a big brother to them. He also spent a lot of the time at the theater, even when he wasn't working. It was a place of solitude and peace for the former U.S. Air Force corporal.
1: <sighs>
0: on September 12th, Stephen had gone to a party with his girlfriend, Around and around midnight, his girlfriend dropped him off at the theater. He was planning on practicing his clarinet.
1: At the theater? Mm-hmm. By yourself at midnight. Oh, yeah. Weird. Good
0: acoustics, right?
1: I mean, I guess so, but, like, go home. Take <laughs> a nap.
0: Right. The initial thought of law enforcement was that Stephen must have something to do with Christina and Brandy's disappearance and then fled town.
1: Mm. I mean, I thought that when you first started talking. I
0: did, too, when I first started reading yeah. it. Uh, law enforcement thoroughly searched the theater. There was no sign of a struggle, but Stephen's clarinet was still inside. Hmm. After detectives talked to all of Stephen's friends, the theory that he was involved didn't seem to hold up. He wasn't a violent person. And also, Stephen had left his car behind. It was parked at a friend's house. Oh, okay. Uh, They then went and searched Stephen's apartment, and police found one uncashed paycheck. So, like, it just didn't add up, right? He doesn't have a vehicle. It's still at his friend's house where where it has been for a while. Yeah. He, they went to his apartment. He has an uncashed paycheck. If you were fleeing town, I'm pretty sure you would cash right. all your checks. Right.
1: Get all the money. Yeah.
0: So, just didn't seem likely at this point. Police did uncover another employee present at the theater the night of the 12th. And guess what? What? It happened to be the same man police suspected in Christina White's case in Washington, really? Rose's mom's boyfriend was at the theater that night.
1: What? And I mean, are they pretty far apart? Do you know?
0: It's not super far. Probably like a 30 to like 30 minutes, like an hour car ride. Oh. So it's not like from like here to Fort Collins.
1: Yeah. I mean, still, that's, I mean, very coincident- coincidence. Right.
0: Interesting, right? Mm hmm. According to his first interview with police, he arrived at the theater around 6 p.m. Stephen had arrived around 730 that evening to work, and then he left around 9 p.m. And at 10 p.m., the man went to the Red Baron for a few beers. He then went to the movies and watched The Fog.
1: Mm.
0: (laughs) The Fog was a fun movie.
1: The Fog.
0: (laughs) So after the movie was over, uh, he returned to the theater around 11 p.m. He claimed he did not. Oh, sorry. He claimed he did some work once he got there. Can't remember if I did much on the stage, but I needed to do some rigging. So I went up to the loft up in the attic and I took a fall. Apparently he had fallen through the plaster of the ceiling.
1: That's okay.
0: Yeah. Um, So let me let me recant everything that I just said. So it sounds like the man that they he worked at the theater, too, with Stephen Pearsall. Okay. He was an employee there at the theater.
1: But it's not the same, the not the boyfriend, right? There's no,
0: there's no, yeah. They didn't say, the only mention of like suspect for Christina White was the boyfriend.
1: Uh-huh.
0: So I'm assuming it's the boyfriend. They're probably not, he's probably not with Rose's mom anymore. Maybe he moved out of town.
1: But he worked, the boyfriend works at.
0: The Civic Theater oh. with Kristen, not Kristen David. I'm getting all of them mixed up, y'all.
1: With the the gentleman that went missing.
0: Stephen Pearsall.
1: Yes.
0: Christina Nelson and Brandy Miller. Yes. And so those three and the one that was suspected of kidnapping Christina
1: mm-hmm.
0: all work at the same theater.
1: Oh, my gosh. Breeding ground for something.
0: <laughs> right. And that was his first interview. So he um, went to work. Did a couple hours work, went and had a couple beers, went back to work.
1: As people do.
0: (laughs) And then that's when he fell through the plaster of the ceiling. After he had taken his fall, if you will, he felt like he needed to take a rest, which.
1: (laughs) Take a nap. Right.
0: (laughs) In his words, he went back downstairs to lay on the couch and stretched out. He said, I had a medium case of the shakes. So he probably was like stirred up from. I mean, if you fall from the ceiling, I'm sure you would be like on on edge i just laid there and eventually dozed off the police asked him if he heard or saw anyone after that he said that he heard the phone ring but didn't answer it this is specifically asked him about steven and he said no i have no uh no notion that he even came into the building as far as i know
1: now did it say where the clarinet was was it it
0: didn't say no
1: See, I, I it makes me a little weary because the night before the two girls went missing mm-hmm. and then they all work together. Yeah. The guy comes in the next day. Yeah. play to practice so, his clarinet. Yeah. And I have a theory that the boyfriend was holding them hostage at the theater, or put them somewhere at the theater. And the dude found out.
0: He walked in.
1: He walked in and saw this.
0: Ooh. And then the
1: boyfriend.
0: Plot twist.
1: Or, yeah, the boyfriend killed him or whatever he did with him because he walked in on this.
0: Yeah, that's a good theory. Thank you. On March 19th, 1984, a teen in Kendrick, Idaho, stumbled upon skeletonized remains. They were down in an embankment near mile marker 14 on Highway 3. The remains were very badly decomposed. There was clothing and personal items found with them. Also, nearby were cords similar to clotheslines. Oh. Or similar to a clothesline. These, the skeletonized bodies belonged to Christina Nelson and Brandy Miller.
1: That's sad.
0: Yeah. Then, on March twenty second, 1984, Lewiston brought the man back in. The detective told him they had found Christina and Brandy's remains. His reply... I guess I'm in a heap of trouble, aren't I?
1: Hmm. Well, I mean, if that's not a semi-confession, I don't know what is.
0: Right. His story changed this time, and he, he told detectives that he got to the theater at 3.30 p.m. Stephen still showed up between 7 and 7.30 and left around 9, but the man's trip to Red Baron was now at 9 p.m. instead of 10 p.m. Unfortunately, there is no direct evidence to tie him to the case, much like Christina White's, the case went cold, and there is no sign of Stephen Purcell.
1: That's so crazy.
0: Yeah. So it's weird that it could all be circumstantial. Yeah, but because it is within like that region, right? But it seems weird that you were the suspect of a twelve-year-old girl gone missing. Yeah. And then I don't know. They didn't have a tie of Kristen David, unfortunately, other than they the only thing that they saw was that van and the man with that was like walking to the back of his truck or whatever, his mm-hmm. van. Um, but then you're also suspected in the disappearance of these three people that you work with. Right. That seems all wildly.
1: That's a
0: huge coincidence. Right. And most of the time,
1: coincidences aren't coincidences.
0: (laughs) How do you like them apples?
1: (laughs) Mic drop. Uh,
0: Yeah. So just interesting. I definitely have my doubts or reservations on whether Kristen David is connected because I don't see. There was no connection to the van. Mm-hmm. Um, the van had organ plates on it which I mean it's all within a reasonable amount of time right. of each other but I definitely see the connect- a connection between Christina and the other three
1: yeah oh I definitely see that I mean
0: and his story changed and his his whole response to like being pulled in a second time I guess I'm in trouble That's- why would you say that if you didn't have like a guilty conscience
1: right I mean, unless he's not just smart.
0: Which, I mean, sometimes they're not. I mean, serial killers usually are, like, hyper smart. It's mm-hmm. just like.
1: And he was you, just trying to play it off or something. I don't know. Yeah, It was I weird.
0: It's weird. I like your theory about um, he had them at the theater and then Stephen walked in to practice his clarinet and, like, just stumbled upon them all. Yeah. Interesting.
1: Just a thought. Right. Hmm.
0: All right, then we'll cut. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Unsolved America. Head on over to Facebook and Instagram and follow us at Unsolved America
0: MVP. And be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform. If you need to contact us, please email Unsolved MVP at gmail.com. And we'll talk to you next week. This has been an MVP podcast by Village Productions.